<laughs> wow, now the pressure's on. <clears throat> Do you know what this is? Okay, it's a Bible, good. It's, yes, the message, that's right. That particular version of it. Um, anyone here who has one? Either here or at home or lying on a shelf somewhere? Okay, yep. Now, you don't have to, I, I won't ask for hands up on this one because it could be embarrassing. Um, how many of you have read it at all or read some of it or even, you know, maybe even read the whole thing? You don't have to put your hand up, you don't have to do that. It's a big book, like it's quite fat, and it's quite hard to read. Hey, uh, I, I, I can still pick this up and uh, try reading it and think, I don't know, like that's, that's just, I don't understand that. Like I started reading a part of it the other day, yesterday, oh man, that felt like a long time ago, started reading part of it yesterday. Uh, and there's the part that I didn't read, and then I forgot to read it last night, the part that I didn't read, it's like, really? Mm, I don't quite understand that. And this, this will happen all the time when you're reading this book. You'll, you'll read it and you'll think, sheesh, I just don't understand it. So what I want to do this morning, my aim for this morning's session, is to help us to understand this book so that when we come to read it, we can go, Oh, it fits into that bit. So I see how this whole thing ties together. Because the thing is, this is not one book. This is 66 books. They just happen to be all within two covers, right? But those 66 books sort of work together to tell one story. And I want to talk about that story today. If we, uh, can we just flick up, would you go to the uh, word of the session? <clears throat> Some of your Bibles might look a bit like that, a bit dusty and old, and even the glasses on there are dusty, so I don't think this person reads at all, let alone reading their Bible. But um, this is the word that I want us to know today, narrative. A narrative is just a flash word of saying story. Can you say narrative? narrative. A narrator narrates, Right? Which is another way of saying the storyteller tells a story. So we're going to go through the biblical narrative today. It's a big book. This could take a while, but I've got some people to help me, and they know who they are. Nine people who are going to bring up some chairs and hold things for me. Good on your lads. Yeah, he needs to find a chair. This is another big book. Just uh, sit somewhere here, sort of towards the front. Somewhere where you can see everybody and everyone can see you. Towards the front, towards the front. Because I'm going to be walking behind you guys. I need some of you to come down here. Yep. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it comes. Number nine. Oh, no, 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 straight line, straight line. We all need to be, yeah, no, no, you need to be in a straight line. There you go. You come down here. Um, can we all just squish up a little bit because we've got to fit one more person? Hey, you go, you go down here. Okay. Oh, it's... 
That's good. Okay, you can see all of them. Okay. Here you go. You've got that. That's yours. You just hold that there. Um, you can take that. All right. Uh, and then we've got this. There you go. Uh, and next, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yep. Yep. So then you got that, and you get that. And next is this one. Three more. One, two, three. I, uh, ah, yes. That one, that one, and that one. Okay, this one here, we can do like a poncho. Just sweet. Okay, so with these eight everyday items, we can learn the Bible story, the narrative. This is an atlas, right? What does an atlas show us? The world. So at the very beginning of the biblical story, we have God creating the world. And we've talked a bit about that, right? How amazing and weird this world is. Here's an atlas. God made the world. Now, if you lose, destroy, steal, do anything to this, my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter will probably... um, do something very nasty to you that results in your death, slow and painful, okay? This is a little doll. It's my daughter's favorite. This is B. Hello, B. Hello, There was a while where she could only say the last syllable of words. So this, we were calling this her baby, and she was calling it B. Now it's called B. Um, as well as creating the world, God created people. And we've talked a little bit about that as well. He created you and me, um, and he did that on purpose. Now this, yeah, it's a pair of right angles. They used to make a picture frame, but then it fell off the wall and it broke. So when God made us, he made us, in a weird sort of a phrase, he made us in his image. What that means is not that necessarily God has arms and legs, but that we have, you know, intellect and creativity and all that sort of stuff, personality, right? Just like God does. The animals don't share that sort of thing with us. And so when he made the world and all the animals, we're a separate category of, of creation. We're, we're special because we're made in God's image. But then sin came in and ruined the image, broke it, right? So there, there were a bunch of photos of my daughter again in this um, but that's broken, just like our image of God is broken, and we do that nasty stuff called sin. Now, if this was me, if this was my story, and my creation here had broken, well, I probably would have just tossed it aside, like this. When I, when I take this frame home tonight, uh, I'm just, it's going to go in the bin. I, I don't have any more use for this, right? It's useless to me now. Um, But God, he hasn't given up on us. And this is one of the marvelous things about the biblical story. We've got eight pieces of the story, but there's really three main parts of the story. There's what we call creation. That's these two guys. 
And then there's fall, where it all gets broken. And the rest of the story is God saying, I'm not giving up. 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 Till we get to here, and he's like, I've won. Okay, we already know the end of the story. But let me tell you how it goes. This is a star. Looks suspiciously like a person. And it's not just because I'm not very good at making stars. It's meant to look suspiciously like a person because this star represents a promise that was made to a person. This person was called Abraham. And Abraham was old and he didn't have any kids. And in those days, that was, that was terrible to not have any kids. And so God promised Abraham, you'll have so many kids, they'll be like the stars in the sky. Can't count them. Now, he ended up with only one or two. Um, but they became... A big family, quite a big family. Eventually, they became slaves, though, in a place called Egypt. And this here, if we have a fire in the next few minutes, by the way, don't come running towards this guy, okay? Out the big, wide sides is probably much smarter. An exit sign. No one likes to be slaves, and it's illegal these days to have slaves pretty much around the world. But uh, in those days, it was pretty normal. But no one likes to be slaves, even if it's normal. So these people, the, the family of Abraham, who'd been living in Egypt, had become slaves. They were delivered out of Egypt. Now, this by itself is a whole story. And if you're familiar with it, that's terrific, because this is a very important story. And I'm, if I remember, I might refer back to it when we get further down the chain a little bit. But basically what happens is, through a series of miracles, God says, I don't want my people, because these are his people, people with the promise, he's promised all kinds of good things to them. I don't want my people to be slaves. And so he delivers them. Part of that delivery is walking on dry land through the middle of the Red Sea and so forth, and the destruction of the Egyptian army and so forth. And from here, they're called a nation, the nation of Israel. And this is the modern flag of the nation of Israel, which is just in the last... 60 or 70 years, become a nation again because it was destroyed. Because the thing is about this nation of Israel, even though they had the promises of God, they also had the curses of God. It was a bit of a double-edged sword. God said, when you're doing the right thing, then I'll do the right thing by you too. Like you'll be prosperous, happy, wealthy, and all the rest of it. But as soon as you start worshiping anything else, just like Adam and Eve did back here when they started saying, no, nah, I think we know better than God. As soon as you start thinking you know better than me, that's it. It's over. Okay? Boom. And so, so th there's a series of cycles where this nation, Israel, is like, oh, yeah, we love you, God. Oh, no, I think we'll do something else. Oh, man, everything's turning to rubbish. No, help us, God. Oh, yeah, okay, we love you, God. Oh, things are awesome. And oh, no, I think we know we're better than you. And then, oh, things are turning to custard again. Oh, hell help us, God. And so, oh, God, you're awesome because you rescue us. So they do this a number of times till eventually, actually, uh, this nation is split in half and um, half of it disappears. We don't know where they went. They just disappeared. Yeah, but uh, actually, we don't know where, we, where it went. All we see is this, but actually, it should be smaller than that because it was more like just about that much of the nation was left. And all the rest of it just disappeared. Um, and so anyone who today calls themselves Jewish, are descended from this much of what was left of the nation. Um, so there wasn't very much of Israel left because they kept, they kept sinning. They kept doing the wrong thing. Eventually, though, 
comes this guy. Not Santa. This is Christmas. Who likes Christmas? Mm. St. Nicholas, yeah. What's the best thing? Just shout it out to me and I'll see what I can hear the loudest. What's the best thing about Christmas? Apparently, apparently the best thing about Christmas is an indistinguishable rabble. The point of Christmas, even if you may not think it's the best thing, I did hear some people say this is the best thing, but you may not agree. The point of Christmas is Jesus. Now, yeah, that's right. Now, Jesus uh, is part of this country. He's a Jewish person. And he's born, but uh, he's more than just a person, right? We know that he's also God. And ever since way back here, when these people had decided to do the wrong thing and break their imageness, ever since then, every single person all the way along had done something wrong. And that's why I could, I could say to you last night, we've all done stuff wrong. We've all sinned, Right? Except this guy, not this guy, but the person this guy represents, Jesus, right? Except Jesus, he never sinned, which is incredible because I can't, I can't conceive of how to go through a day perfectly. I can't, let alone a lifetime, let alone a lifetime of poverty uh, and a lifetime of, um, well, he had education, but... You know, like I was saying last night, some of the reasons that people commit crimes and do bad things is just because of their circumstances. Well, he came from a, uh, he, he, well, I shouldn't say he came from a solo family, but it sort of was like that. Like his mum was pregnant before they got married, and that's just, in those days, terrible. Um, so all kinds of scandal, poverty, and, and so forth. But he didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong. Because he's God. And then we come to this weekend, it's a kind of surprise, bit of a tradition in my family um, for Easter, just little eggs with a surprise inside. Because the Easter story is incredible. And this is the story that I want to focus on tonight, okay? This is the big deal. This camp, I can tell you, this camp would not happen if Easter hadn't happened. Not just because of Easter weekend, it's a holiday and we can have a camp, but because there would be no reason for this camp to even exist. No one would have had the idea, oh, let's make a Finlay Park without Easter. Your leaders would never have done whatever it is they do back in your hometown to gather you all together. They wouldn't have belonged to a church or anything like that. None of that would have existed without this. I can't overstate what a big deal Easter is. Christmas is great. Love Christmas. But Easter's where it's at. Okay. Now, this is the bit where it gets a little bit tricky. (laughs) But I have a fan here to represent refreshment, restoration, renewal, making good. Because all the way down through this story, ever since here, things have been rubbish. 
There's the creation, that, that didn't last very long as perfect. It got broken by sin, and then all the way through, we're chugging through here, and people are doing things wrong all the time. Because of Easter, we can have this last bit of the story where Jesus comes back. And he sets everything straight. And it'll be like sitting in front of a fan on a hot, hot summer's day, maybe even with a Coke in your hand, because their slogan used to be the pause that refreshes, just like the fan refreshes, renews, restores, recreates. We call this bit heaven, right? This is where you get to be because of Easter. And without Easter, none of us would get here. Okay, that's the story. Is there anyone who reckons they could walk along here, point to each part, and tell me the biblical narrative? Let's see. Um, oh, that guy right down the back. Yeah, you pointing at yourself. That's the one. Come on up. Come on up. Well, there's 850 of you. Your chances are I won't pick you. Sorry. We're going to have to do the leaning close to my face thing again, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, we're getting low. Excuse me. Check a check. One, two, one, two. Here we go. Uh, hello. Choo, choo. I am coming through, right? Bit by bit? Okay, cool. Now, what's your name? Henry. Henry. Henry, okay. Come on, Henry, close um, to me. Um, this is Genesis. Oh, look, he even gives it the name of the book in the Bible. Brilliant, nice. Well, it's the beginning of Genesis. Yep, okay. And then um, this is the um, after, like, after, um, gen- just like before the end of Genesis. Okay, and what happens here? Um, the snake deceives... Um, Eve to um, eat the fruit. Okay, and the word of the session was sin. Sin. Okay, great. And then um, here God met, um, promises Abraham that he'll have many descendants in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. And then um, here Moses frees, frees um, the, the Israelites from Egypt. Right, yes. And here the Israelites conquer um, canine. Right, and, and become a country. Yes, yep. and yep. also get destroyed by the Babylonians. The, and all wow, you got good knowledge, bro. Yep, nice. <laughs> so this is Christmas where uh, Jesus gets born at yep. the stable. Brilliant. And then this is where Jesus dies on the cross. Uh-huh. And then this is Revelations. Right. Okay. okay. Oh, very good. Nice. Okay. No, I don't have chocolate. You just have to take what you're given and be thankful. <clears throat> now, now, I said if I remembered, I'd refer back to the Exodus thing. Easter is kind of like Exodus for us. Because ever since here, ever since the sin thing, we've kind of become slaves to sin. There's nothing we can do about that. We're, we're owned and mastered by sin, right? We're just broken. 
But Easter is like our Exodus story. Just like by a series of miracles, the, the Israelites were delivered out of slavery through the Red Sea and all, all of that. By the fantastic miracle of the resurrection of Jesus, we're delivered from sin. Okay? If we, if we want to accept that. And it is up to you and to me. Okay? Right. I'm sure there was something else. I, yes, yeah, that's it. That's all it was. Just, uh, just giving out some lollies to my fine little volunteers here. Oh. oh. See, these guys, most of these guys at least, um, they've spent some time with me. They've been talking with me. And, uh, and this is my little, little uh, saying thank you for acknowledging me as a human. Now you start demanding I fill your hat. There you go. Now, some of you even get to keep your props. Um, if you want to keep that, if you want to keep that, uh, keep it, keep it. Can I keep this? And keep that. The rest of them uh, I need to have back up here. Yeah, you can actually keep that chocolate. And I'll, I'll just undo your little... There you go. Um, I really got to have B. I'll just stick it up on the stage there. There you go. Whoa! I got it, I got it. Chip over. You're welcome. Such good mannered lads. Okay, so the, the whole reason for telling you the, you the whole story is so that you get an idea, a bit of an appreciation of just how hard God has been working to defeat sin and to bring you back to him. He didn't give up on you. He didn't just throw you in the bin because you were broken. He said, I can... I can sort this out. Like any good story, it's got goodies and baddies. God is the goodie. Satan is the baddie. And according to the definition I gave on Friday night, God is a champion. The devil is a cheat. And he'll cheat you out of the, the greatest happiness. And he'll treat, uh, cheat you out of the greatest joy Perhaps with promises of what looks like happiness and what looks like joy. But it's God who is the champion. It's God who with integrity looks at you and says, I love you I, and I want you back. I have not given up on you. That whole big fat book is all about God saying, I love you and I want you back. That's what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, good. Okay, so you guys understand the Bible now, I hope. Thanks very much.